everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, Pete Wright. Hello, everyone. Hello, Nikki Kinzer. Hello. Sound uh, like we're from Britain. <laughs> <laughs> we just top-hatted this thing. Uh, so this week, uh, we're talking about, uh, gosh, we're going to talk about some Brene Brown stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. All right. So before we get into all that, I've been playing with data over the last few days, right? Trying to get my head around some of our driving forces, you know, as I continue to massage this rash pixel FM thing to life. And and I wanted to share something uh, with you. Uh, So this month, so far, uh, this show is being actively downloaded in 117 countries around the world. Wow. That is actually a new record for us as we were right around 100 countries at the new year. And and I I think that is just a magical thing that we're able to do this from our offices in Oregon. So um, I just wanted to say thanks to everybody who is listening right now, wherever you are on the planet. And thank you doubly so to uh, the Federal Communications Commission this week uh, for taking the first steps to protect the Internet so that small businesses like mine can continue to serve great people like you know, Nikki, uh, to far-flung places that we have never been, like Turks and Caicos Islands and Northern Mariana Islands Mm -hmm. and Republic of Serbia and Liechtenstein and Cambodia and Fiji and Aruba and so many more. Is that cool? That's very cool. It is very cool. Yeah. So if you are new to the show, if you've found us on SoundCloud or on Twitter or Facebook, head over to TakeControlADHD.com. Get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to our mailing list just right on the homepage. There's a little box. You can enter your name and email address, and uh, and we'll send you an email with the latest episode each week. You can connect with us on Twitter at, or Facebook at Take Control ADHD and call us. Leave us a voicemail, 503-664-480-D. And get your voice, your thoughts, your questions on this show. We'd love to hear from you. That's now, right. I imagine you want to talk about uh, small group coaching starting in April. I do. I do. Uh, it is. It's, it's starting in April. So now is the time to sign up. And you can go up to the website and register. And there's just a couple of questions and has the different times that are available and what group you're interested in and everything. And I just thought it was really interesting. I put a, a Facebook post out and... Um, I, it's interesting to me, the response that it's gotten, I've gotten a lot of likes on it and a couple of different shares and everything. And, and, uh, I wanted to read it, uh, you know, just real quick to see if it resonates with, with people. Cause it seems to be resonating online, which is great. Um, basically the post just said registration is now open for small group ADHD coaching. You have two groups to choose from ADHD moms or ADHD professionals. I'm looking for people who want to be connected, motivated and inspired. I want people who are open to new ideas and who are willing to share their own experiences in a supportive, non-judgmental group setting. And then, of course, my last question was, is this you? And so I'm hoping that if that fits with anybody that's listening, that you uh, do, you know, jump on the website and register um, and also spread the word. I, I think that the people that I've been talking to in the last week, everybody is talking about what what a need this is for people and how, you know, what a great opportunity. And, you know, Pete, I'm so passionate about this group coaching. I just really want it, want it to work because I just think it is a great um, service for people. But I think I need to make sure that people know about it. <laughs> Step one, uh, <laughs> tell everyone. 
Yeah, I think that's the biggest, um, you know, probably roadblock that I have right now is just sharing sharing it with people. And so if you're listening and, and if it maybe isn't for you, but you think it might be for somebody else, please share uh, my website and, and show, you know, tell them how to how to get connected with that that uh, um, Web page specifically for group coaching, because I just really want people to know about it. And I think that that's that's my biggest message and and plea for today is, is please share <laughs> I love that plea. I think that's a great message, and I think it's a very important one. So thank you, everybody, for sharing. Anywhere you are in the world, thank you for sharing. So Yes, absolutely. All right. So what do you want to talk about today? Well, before even we get into Brene Brown, I just wanted, I wanted to say something that was sort of an observation. Um, I know you, you told me about the, the Calm app, right? <laughs> yeah. I a while back. App. Yeah, yeah we, we were talking about that. So this week has been sort of a, a, a stressful week for me because I uh, had a couple of things I had to do to wrap up my graduation from my um, ADHD coaching program that I've been in in the last year. And I had to take a test. And uh, so, of course, it was kind of, you know, I have testing anxiety and it was stressful. And, and so I decided, hey, I'm going to try that guided meditation app. <laughs> it's <laughs> that, about time. Yeah. Well, because I meditate usually just kind of on my own, but I was almost too stressed and anxious to even do it on my own. So I thought I really need to like have some guide guidance here. So I got onto the Calm app and... um and I have been doing it ever since. Like I, and you know, what's so funny is I'm addicted to the little like, Oh, congratulations. You are five days in a row. Like I don't <laughs> want to miss a day because I don't, I, I like, I want to see the sixth day in a row and I want to see the seventh day. So isn't that funny? It is very funny. I think that's so great. They have gamified meditation and it, it works. Yes. I want to see how many days in a row I can get. <laughs> You'll be a floating yogi in no time. (laughs) You'll still be checking this app every day. And what was really interesting for me, and and I've never done guided meditation before. I've always just sort of, well, I guess I shouldn't say I never have. I have in the sense of, you know, you're in a yoga class and, you know, that's kind of guided, I guess. Um, But not in this form of, of what this Calm app does. And I will tell you that the biggest surprise for me is how fast 10 minutes goes by. Oh, yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. The first time I did it, I couldn't believe it. Like, I thought it was lying to me. Yeah. I'm like, it hasn't been 10 minutes. It's only been like three. That's the value of perception right there. I mean, we think that 10 minutes, when you're just walking around thinking, oh, I have so much to do, 10 minutes is, oh, my gosh, I'd never be able to fit 10 minutes into my life to do a quick meditation. And yet... It's a blink of an eye. A blink of an eye. So anyway, anybody out there that's that's uh, curious about it, do check it out. Um, it's it's. I am really digging it. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Look okay. forward to day six. Day six. Yeah. Woohoo! <laughs> All right, Brene Brown, who is fantastic. As we kind of mentioned a little bit last week, she is a research professor, um, and she has spent uh, the last decade, I believe, is what she has on her website, uh, studying vulnerability, courage, worthiness, and shame. Wow. I Those know. are some words. I know. Heavy. Yeah. Well, we think of them as heavy. And I I think one of the things I like so much about Brene Brown and what she brings to it is that shame and vulnerability to her are are just words. Right. Uh, They they don't carry the weight and the baggage that they do for many of us. 
I'll be honest with you, Pete, when I was trying to figure out like how, how to do this podcast, like what were the key points? How did I want to summarize this? What did I want to talk about? I'm a little bit overwhelmed because, you know, I don't know. I, I watched her Ted talks. Um, I think one of the things that surprised me the most, uh, in the last couple of weeks, since I've been sort of studying her message is after watching her Ted talks, I was really motivated by what she was saying. I decided, you know, like I said this last week, I bought two of her books and I read gifts of imperfection within two days. And I can probably tell you I don't think I have ever read like a self-help and I, you know, I know I say that with quotes, self-help book in its entirety ever. <laughs> You'd skim around, you skip around and yeah. 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 Or you read, I mean, or, I mean, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I, you know, I'll see somebody on Oprah or something and be like, Oh wow, they're so awesome. I'll go buy their book. And maybe I only read like the first couple of sentences. I mean, you know, and that's it. But this one was just interesting. I read it literally within a 48 period or 48 hour period of time, uh, which to me says a lot because it's, it's captured my attention in in some way. And, and I'm still trying to kind of process how this fits into my life and especially how it sort of fits into, um, who I am as a coach, uh, because a lot of what she is saying, and this is maybe why it's resonating. See, I'm, I'm processing as I talk out loud. Right, right. Um, this might be why it's resonating so much is is so many of these words that she's talking about are are what people bring to the table um, when they're coaching or when I'm coaching with them. And so that's that's probably one of the reasons, too. But also, again, on how it fits in w- with, you know, who I am, too, just as a as a mother and wife and right. and parent or I guess I already said mother. I can be a mother and <laughs> mother parent. and a parent and a, and a I, wife I and have mother. Roles. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, I don't know. I mean, like I have, you know, as Pete, you, we have like show notes or we have kind of like outlines before we do these shows to kind of get an idea of where we want to go with this. But I don't know. I mean, what do you, where do you want to go with this? Well, I, you know, her central message for me is, is one that I keep kind of in the back of my mind all the time, um, which is, you know, when do I start deluding myself uh, into thinking that I can be perfect? Because that's when the brain damage kicks in, right? Um, and be, and that brain damage is is so uh, it's just devastating. Uh, it's it's the thing that tells you in in the back of your head that you know you you if you can't be perfect, you shouldn't do this, right? If you can't lead this perfect life, if your family can't be perfect, if your if your yard isn't well manicured, if you're not, then then why are you even showing up? Because you can't, you know, you, you you can't keep up with everyone else. And one of the things I love so much about this book is that it 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 helps you stop that fable. It stops telling yourself that that story. She she really coaches you through, um, you know, living in a space of imperfection. And that that I think is the thing that I that I, I resonate so much with. And and um, um, that that I'm still I'm okay even though I'm not perfect. Right, right. Well, and it's interesting because in the first talk, which I believe if I get this right, you want to watch the vulnerability first and then the one on shame because yeah. the, the shame, she kind of talks about what happens to her after she did that first talk, um, which I thought was really interesting. But anyway, at the very first talk on vulnerability, the last kind of slide that she has on, on living this kind of wholehearted life was I am enough. 
Right. And that hit hard for me because I think that, um, you know, what you're saying too, with the perfection, but just being okay with who you are, regardless if you're different or you're, you don't have what somebody else has, or you're not at the weight that you think you should be at, or your story, you know, for you, I don't know. I mean, just having all of that, I am enough. Like you said, no matter what I'm, I'm enough. I don't have to be perfect. Um, was really powerful to me. Um, there were a lot of things, you know, when she explores the word shame, um, and, and how that's such a dirty word. I mean, we just, it's an uncomfortable word Mm -hmm. to, to, to be, but then, you know, shame, well, I guess I have to start with this, with the connection piece that we all want to be connected. And so what she's saying is that shame is this fear of not being connected. And I just never really saw how those words connect or connected. I hate to say that because I'm using connected <laughs> twice. I, I guess I didn't see the the string that kind of, you know. Well, talk more about that. How does, how does that, uh, now that you've, you've kind of been processing this, how does that apply for you? Good question. I think, I think that it's applied to me because the way that she said that shame comes out is it basically comes out in two different ways. It comes out as it's saying your, your inner voice is saying you're not good enough. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, or what are you thinking? Like, who do you think you are? So shame, shame comes into two forms. You're not good enough. You're never good enough. And who do you think you are? And that really resonated with me because I thought, gosh, that's so true. Like when you, when you fear taking a chance, when you fear being vulnerable, because she uses, you know, she's a studier of vulnerability. It's because you're fearing, or for me anyway, it's you're fearing what people are going to think. You're fearing that it's not going you know, that, that, that you're not going to, you know, for some reason, they're not going to like you or they're not going to like what you have to say. And then that second voice is, well, who do you think you are to even say this in the first place? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I can't tell you how that hit me, you know, to the core. Yeah. It, it hits me pretty hard too. It's this whole idea that, that, it, you know, to your point, you know, you either, who do you think you are? Or you, you know, you're not enough. It's this idea that you're, you are, you or your ideas are not worthy of value, right. Mm-hmm. Or not worthy of love or not worthy of attention or not worthy of being, uh, of belonging, right. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, being part of this conversation. Um, and, and, you know, I, that monster rears its head, um, all the time and in really subtle and sort of insidious ways. I, I I have been thinking a lot about it lately when, uh, you know, somebody I don't even know, another, uh, person in the podcasting field did some just incredible work and released a new show that is just really, um, fantastic. It's, it's one of those things that when you, when you see another professional, um, doing great work in your field, uh, at least from my experience, it is gut-wrenchingly good. It's like it's like just getting getting kicked. And because you don't know them, you know, it, it is a very sort of, I think, natural reaction to step back and say, oh, my goodness, if they're out there doing that great work, how does mine stack up to that? Well, 
there's of course not even close. I'd better just go back to bed. Right. You know, I, right. I no one will ever, uh, will ever love me or pay enough attention to me to be even worthwhile and to be a part of this conversation now that the bar has been raised so high. And that's all, of course, brain damage. It's just brain damage. And, and to sit in it, to sit in that sort of brief sense of sorrow and to step back and say, you know what, I'm, I'm growing too, just as this other person is growing and just as we're all growing and we're all learning and we're all continuing to, to do what we do. And the more you sort of sit in that sorrow and just allow yourself to be vulnerable, the easier it is to say, uh, my work is good in its own way. Mm -hmm. And, but that is, that is so difficult. That is a, I mean, even as some, I mean, I can't remember when I, when I first started reading Brene Brown, probably four or five years ago. And I, I feel like I've been thinking about these issues since then, since probably before then. Uh, mm-hmm. And I still fight with it every single day. Well, and I think even in uh, something that I, because I listened to a couple of podcasts that she was the guest on too. And so I, I, I apologize. I don't remember exactly where I heard what or what I read. But at, at some point she was saying it's a practice and she kind of makes fun of it. Like, believe me, I don't want it to be a practice either. Like this sucks. <laughs> Yeah, right, right. That you have to kind of keep working at it. But I mean, it is, it's true. You have to keep kind of, I think what you were saying is that, you know, being aware of these feelings um, and having that conversation with yourself and of how you're going to get past it. What, what do you need to say to yourself to get past it? Because she even talks about how shame and she has this visual in one of the talks where it's just like swamp land for your soul. And what we don't want to do is sit in it. We don't want to stay there. That's not the purpose, but the, per, you know, but we do have to work through it and kind of figure our way around it. And, uh, you know, the beauty, the, the, the beauty of her book, The Gift of Imperfection, is she has these guideposts that she talks about on how people who live wholehearted lives, um, kind of not how they do that, but what they do. It's not how they do it. I think mm-hmm. it's more of, of the practices that they've put into their life to live these wholehearted lives, to have courage and to be vulnerable and to be okay with the outcome no matter what, because at the end of the day, they know they're enough. Yeah. And that's the lesson I learned is that it doesn't really, one of the many lessons is that it's not so much the the outcome of anything. It, you know, you have the courage to do it. Um, you're putting yourself out there. You're telling your story. You know someone's going to resonate with it, but it doesn't have to be everybody. And I think for for me professionally, that was key. Again, I'm processing out loud. I mean, this yeah. is a real conversation. <laughs> Because yeah. I'm just thinking, how does this, what does this mean to me? And I think that that's it is that there's been times where I don't know if I want to put this out into the world because what if, what if it doesn't please everybody? And I think that the point is it doesn't have to, it's going to please the people that it needs to please. Um, the outcome doesn't matter. I can be vulnerable. I can put myself out there and still know I'm enough at the end of the day. It's mm-hmm. okay. It's, mm-hmm. it's, um, and and you do that not only professionally, but I'm just thinking of all all areas. I I'm curious your take on these issues and ADHD. I and I guess this is really where it resonated with me. She doesn't talk about ADHD no. at all, right? I no. mean, this is she is not an you know that that she's not an expert in ADHD. But what is so real about what she talks about is is the um, feelings that people have when 
the conversations I've had with, with folks who say I'm less than, I'm not good enough, I can't do this, and there's so much shame about who they are. And what was really interesting is she even makes a distinction between what shame and guilt is. Guilt is, you know, I'm sorry I did something bad. Shame is I am bad. And that's where I see the ADHD fitting in is people think they're bad because right. they have ADHD. They think, you know, these, these uh, tapes that have been going on in their minds, you know, since they were little kids, they're lazy, they're stupid, they're not good enough, they're not trying hard enough. And I mean, and these things stick. And, you know, even though a client may not come and say, I'm not enough, I hear it in the way they talk to themselves. I hear it when they're explaining something to me. Mm-hmm. And when I reflect that back to them and I say, this is what I heard you say, wow, they're surprised. Because then the next question is, would you talk to somebody else that way? No, of course not. Then why are you talking about yourself that way? They're not treating themselves kindly. And that's one of the biggest things that she says to live a wholehearted life is that you've got to treat yourself kindly first. You have to take care of yourself first you know, before you can really take care of others. And, um, you know, so this is big for me. I mean, you know, I, this is, this is going to change the way I coach. I can guarantee it. Her work means that much to me right now. I'm getting emotional just just talking about it. I mean, it's so powerful. It Um, is. It it is really powerful. I I think about, I've, I've been thinking about my sort of my behavior, right. When I'm, when I'm struggling with this kind of stuff and where I go. And I think one of the, one of the challenges that I, that I deal with, and I'm, you know, I wonder if this is not, you know, a a trend or at least a a consistent trait, the dangers of, of Mm -hmm. hyper-focus, that, you know, when you, when you use it as a superhero power, you know, when you have something that you're really, you know, you're really focused on and it's part of your job or it's part of something that you, you're building or creating and it's, it, it can be really very useful. But when you find yourself, um, you know, perseverating on negative emotions and negative feelings and feelings of, of, you know, falling self-worth, um, it is, it is pretty easy to fall into a hyper-focus mode uh, around those feelings and and to really sit and and think about how full of shame you are how you know how negative you are and how like you said those those negative tapes spin around and around and around and it, and it starts looking like like uh, more of a bipolar kind of behavior you know i again i'm not a my my psychology ended training ended in my first two years of undergrad so i'm i'm no psychologist but but there is that that cycle of of kind of uh mania and then those deep deep sort of depressions. Um, and that's what it, it starts to mirror, right? This ADHD hyper-focus on negative sensations, negative emotions. And, uh, and I feel like it, it's, uh, it, it's one of those things I need to be consistently aware of because, um, because I can, I can go there pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people can, I think a lot of people are probably shaking their heads right now relating to exactly what you're saying. Um, and and I think that goes back to why it's a practice and what we were talking about is like you're fighting it every day. There isn't any, you know, easy, easy solution. Um, yeah. uh, but I, you know, one of the things that, that 
has brought been brought to my attention why I wanted to talk about this today is that we need to talk about it. That's exactly what she's saying. We have to talk about shame. Uh, one, uh, we have to talk about these, you know, these perceptions that people have of these words. And um, one of the things that she said was that shame sits with if you if it if it lives in secrecy, silence, and judgment. So that's exactly what you were just talking about with the hyperfocus. If mm-hmm. you're sitting in it, you're sw- sitting in the swamp of the soul, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and you're in secrecy because you're by yourself. You're not talking about it, so it's in silence. And then you're judging the hell out of yourself. Yeah. Right. right. I mean, you're beating yourself up. Then it's going to keep sitting there. But then what she was saying is that it can't survive with empathy. You have, you know, empathy is what's going to kill the shame. Right. And uh, she went on to even say that the most powerful words that that you can say is me too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm going to wrap this back around to group coaching because, man, I I believe in this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how much I believe in this. To have somebody, ex, you know, tell their story and then to have somebody else on the other line say, I, me too. Yeah. I get it. And there's just power in that power of connection, power of being, you know, power of this journey isn't meant to be alone. Alone. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I love her. (laughs) (laughs) I really, I really, um, I mean, this is life changing stuff for me. I, it's, it's that, it's that good. It's that powerful. So I definitely recommend people checking her stuff out well and we will post the the ted talks in that that we're referring to here and links to the books in uh, show notes for this week Um, find them at takingcontroladhd.com slash podcast slash what number what number is this show my goodness we're almost to 200 episode so uh, slash podcast slash ep 197 that is crazy uh so it's yeah yeah almost 200 Excellent. Well, this is this is such good stuff. We are going to continue to talk about this and and uh, next week, particularly around parenting. And I think these ADHD traits are such great fodder for kind of leaping off of of her content and and talking about how it really impacts us. Because this is where this is where the rubber meets the road for those of us who are dealing with this uh, set, this bouquet of behaviors. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else? Any other words of wisdom for people? I'm good. All right. Thank you, everybody, uh, in all 117 countries around the world for listening to the show, for uh, downloading, for subscribing. Uh, don't forget, sign up f- uh, for the email list uh, if you want to make sure you, you don't miss uh, miss an episode or subscribe in iTunes where uh, or where other fine podcasts are served. Thanks, everybody. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next week on the ADHD Podcast. Mm-hmm.